0: Welcome to the Battleground, Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruskin. I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. Seems like summer today, although tomorrow, by the time you listen to this, we'll be back in the deep freeze. We have our full panel, which means Rebecca Lynch is with us. Rebecca is with the Wisconsin Working Families Party. Rebecca, welcome back.
1: Thanks. Happy to be here, Matt.
0: Hope you had a good vacation. I think uh, we all need to recharge our batteries, especially in this state. Um, so I hope you had a good time away. We missed you.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I did, I did.
0: And and of course our listeners missed you. I actually heard somebody complain you weren't you were gone. So we, <laughs> we're glad to have your voice back. And as always, Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert, welcome. Good
2: day, everyone.
0: So we are going to start talking a little policy, and then we're gonna spend actually an unusual amount of time for us talking about electoral politics, and and, uh, both at the state level, governor's race, uh, we got some elections coming next week, uh, but also what's happening federally. But before we get into that, we have to talk about the Trump administration uh, opening the door to essentially let states impose Medicaid work requirements. And there's a number of states that are lined up, and we're sitting in one, That that would love to take advantage of this new opening, Um, Robert. Obviously, you are you know have been tracking this, and certainly this is not a huge surprise. But it is a big shift uh, since the founding of Medicaid. The idea that it was somehow a welfare program, which is being talked about by Trump and company. and that it's uh, like food stamps or something else, that somehow work would be directly tied to it. This is very new, I would argue outrageous, uh, but explain you know, what this actually allows and, and how this all fits in politically really with what, uh, what we're actually going to start to see even with the agenda of, the, uh, of Congress.
2: Well, I mean, it is horrendous, but we need to understand where it comes from and why it has legs and resonance and why it has electoral impact. Uh, it's like photo ID in a way, in the sense that people assume, well, gee, it seems reasonable to be able to have this photo ID. I need to go on an airplane or to, to do anything else, so why, why is that unreasonable? And so it puts us in a position of explaining to middle-class people who don't get what it's like to be a very low-income person who does not have an ID, Right. So in this case, it seems reasonable. We're paying for your health care. You're paying, and he's already applied this to to food assistance, for example, and and other things, workers' comp, uh, that you should be asked to work. And it plays into this right-wing stereotype, which they continue to repeat over and over again, that there's this large body of people who could be working and just aren't. And are just on the side, on the dole, getting these incredible benefits where you can live this wonderful life, apparently, in the United States uh, on welfare and on Medicaid and, and with food assistance.
0: Let, let me step in one fact. Yeah. 60% of the folks are already working that are able-bodied, right? And of them, of the ones that aren't 60%, 33% of who remain are disabled, 30% are caring for kids and 15% are in school. So that's 80% right there. But anyways, just to get to your point about who these gonna people. Now they're going to say are.
2: they're excluded cuz they use this really sleazy word able-bodied which suggests that the, these are healthy, you know, people who could go pick up a shovel and do something and, and aren't, right? So they're going to say that they're excluding people with disabilities. Of course, it's a question of whether it's actually been diagnosed and you're actually officially disabled or whether you're unable to work, but it's, right?
0: The term, Robert, they have is, yeah. I think, frail. Like, that's the yeah. only and thing if, if you're, you're, like, and if you're,
2: frail. If, if you're seriously <laughs> mentally ill, you're able-bodied, right? But you still might be able to hold down a job. Plus, there are not enough jobs. Plus, they don't pay anything. Plus, they're not where a lot of people live, right? And, in fact, we're we'll going to get to it later, but the Walker administration is saying that we don't have enough people here uh, for Foxconn is spending a lot of money to try to draw... I would say mostly white millennials from Chicago up here. And so clearly Walker doesn't think that his policies are going to create a whole big new workforce because he says that we have this insolvable workforce shortage unless we have in-migration of people, of Bears and Cubs fans. And so, I mean, here's the thing, right? It, It makes sense to average people, so we can't just say bad, bad, awful, awful. We have to think about where this is coming from. We have to start winning the economic debate more to to make it very clear that people don't have opportunity, right, and this is not their fault, and also make it clear, which I think people are there, but we need to repeat this over and over again, that healthcare is so expensive in this country that middle class and upper middle class people can't afford it on their own, and now we're saying that if you're very low income and you can't afford it, you did something wrong, you're some able-bodied person who's refusing to work.
1: Um, so I have a question uh, for both of you. Uh, how does this play out in Wisconsin, and what can people do to have some kind of voice in the debate?
2: Well, there's a wave Walker's already put to, uh, in a waiver uh, to allow him to do this in Care. So this is simply a signal that uh, the head of Medicaid and uh, Medicare and Medicaid services for the federal government for Trump, who's out of Indiana, who's a Pence person, um, and who's just, you know, far right, like Leah Vukmir right on healthcare issues, is going to allow these sorts of things. So there was a big comment period where there was a lot of controversy because almost all the comments and half of them were generated uh, by through our organizing networks at Citizen Action, but AP did a series of stories where they tried to they tried to like hide that. They tried to hide how many who the people were, how many medical professionals had come out against it, et cetera. There were five people in for, in favor of it in terms of the comments, including Lieutenant Governor Clayfish. And so we it, it looks like they're going to approve it and that they've gone through the process. And so it's more a matter, I think it has to be electoralized now because they have the power with the Trump administration. This was never legal till now. And even the Bush administration thought it was illegal to do this. So there may well be lawsuits, just to be clear. But at okay. this point, that's not something that people can get active in. So we need to figure out how to make this election issue. When people need to understand this is, forget all the various subterfuges. this is, Part, of, part and parcel of Paul Ryan's attempt, and Scott Walker's with him, to go after entitlement. So this is about literally kicking people off the programs and leaving them uninsured. They, they have no interest in actually doing what's necessary to help these people get good jobs to support their families with, not at all. They just want to blame them for, ne- for needing to rely upon BadgerCare to get health care, where, of course, our values is that everyone should have health care, no matter what, and it should be a right in this country. So and I do recommend, uh, Uh, an article that will be on our website by Amy Goldstein, who's a very good uh, healthcare reporter, Washington Post, about all this. And she did the book on Janesville and what happened to Janesville. So I know her and she's been in Milwaukee and done book talks, but she's an excellent reporter. Uh, I want to like even be clearer about Rebecca's question, which is crucial, what should people do? Um, I think, uh, as we've talked about, the BadgerCare public option bill which uh, you know was developed by uh, Eric Genrich and by uh, Senator Latanya Johnson, and came out of our uh, uh, Citizen Actions Northeast Wisconsin Organizing Cooperative, which. A huge number of the Democratic and of governor are already running on and making major platform issue, and it's in their literature, et cetera, et cetera. That is the huge dividing line. Walker wants to wants to do nothing other than throw people off Badger Care. We want to make Badger Care available to everyone and allow everyone to buy into it who can't get good insurance at work. And so that's gotta be the dividing line in this election. And we've got to keep making that a bigger and bigger issue. And already, I think a lot of people think healthcare will be the top issue in this election. So we now know Walker is going to uh, have his own waiver he's releasing soon about what he wants to do with the Affordable Care Act. And so that'll all be a bunch of this stuff as well. And so that, and we'll be letting you know about it because we're preparing to respond to it. But that's the next thrust. So we'll have the Walker position, which is the problem is is that all these able-bodied people taking advantage of bad care, are not working, versus the real problem, which is health care is too darn expensive for almost anyone, small businesses, anyone who doesn't happen to have good insurance at work, and it's a rain on employers who have to pay outrageous rates and double what any other what what it costs in any other country.
0: So. We think healthcare is actually one of the defining issues of this election cycle, and particularly as it relates to the governor's race, but also state legislative races. And I uh, want to make you aware of an event that uh, Citizen Action is doing in partnership with Wisconsin Working Families, our Wisconsin Revolution, the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals. And I think a number of other groups have already signed on and support American Federation of Teachers Local 212 around health care and really trying to make sure that this issue is front and center as it relates to the Democratic gubernatorial candidates and that, as Robert said, that they're all supportive of this uh outstanding legislation that Senator Johnson and, and uh, Representative Genrich have. V- virtually
2: all, I can't guarantee all 17 are, but uh, a huge number of the front runners are running on it.
0: Well, and we need yeah. to make sure that they continue yeah. to run on it, and that they talk about it, and we keep it front and center publicly. Uh, so we're, g- we're going to do this forum. It's called Healthcare Jeopardy. It's going to be at the Milwaukee Area Technical College Saturday, January 27th uh, from 9.30 to uh, 11.30. And again, it will, it will use the Jeopardy format a little bit, have a little bit of fun to talk a lot about not only just coverage uh, and badger care, but costs, opioids, a whole bunch of different health care issues to make sure that uh, Democratic all the Democratic candidates understand broadly sort of what's really important uh, uh, as it relates to health care going forward. So with that, we got to take a break here at the Battleground Wisconsin. Uh, you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. And again, we are the Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. So we're going to spend some time talking about politics here and elections specifically. And uh, before we dive into the state, and we do want to talk about the state, um, nationally, things are not going well for Republicans. This was not a a good week for them. They now have, with the announced uh, retirement of Daryl Issa,
2: Oh, I, what, a, what a loss to the,
0: well, to the country. he was a very poor man who was just struggling wow. to make it by in America.
2: He's taken um, a big hit to help us all. <laughs> yes.
0: But he is now the 31st Republican to announce that they are not going to run for re-election, which is, is a record and for any of certainly our lifetimes. Um, and there's obviously going to be more. And what's important about, for example, ISA is this is not a this is not a hopeless Republican seat where they 're just going to guarantee fill it with another Republican. This is a seat Clinton won, and he won by i think less than a less than a thousand votes. It was a very very close race so and there 's other seats like this um, we 've got at least five Republicans now in seats that uh, that that hillary uh, won and I want to remind our listeners uh, Democrats need twenty five seats overall. Uh, to take back the House of Representatives, so like, this is, kind of, this is becoming very real. Rebecca, I know um, you're not. You, you've just come from other parts of the country and actually sometimes think outside of Wisconsin a little more <laughs> than we do. I, I mean, I gotta admit, I'm. A, I, part of me is not surprised, right? We're living in the era of Trump, but this is, um, this is, this is definitely building. This wave that people are talking about seems to be forming.
1: I, I think that's true, and obviously a huge part of that um, is thanks to the resistance and opposition to Trump. But I, I think another component here is that it is not possible to represent both capital and your constituents. And this like multi-decade, um, you know, agenda on the right to dismantle Medicaid and Medicare, um, to you know, tax reform, to give you know, all of um this money to private corporations, uh the infrastructure plan, which is essentially auctioning off our tolls to the highest bidder so they can our our highways to the highest bidder so they can toll us. You know, all of these policies that um you know Paul Ryan says he's been dreaming about since he was doing Keggers, right? They've they've since then um put in this multi decade um program to achieve them and and they are on the cusp of achieving them. um, and that is Bad news um, for everyone who cares about democracy or our country, um, but it also is bad news for them politically because once you achieve that, there's really no way you can stay in office. I mean, you can pull the wool over people 's eyes for so long, but once you start taking away their health care and you're you know handcuffing disabled activists in the capital, um it's going to be very hard to hold your seat
0: putting semi frail people back to work work just to get health care Robert
2: well. The modern right-wing movement, as it's grown up since the 50s and 60s, since Brown v. Board, which is its genesis, right—the horrible, repulsive decision that said that everyone has a right to an equal education, right—and that sacrifice equal is unconstitutional, has been a destructive anti-movement, anti-things, anti-great society, anti-New Deal, anti-quote-unquote entitlements, i.e., Social Security and Medicare and uh, and Medicaid. And so now they have a real problem with governing they don't actually believe in it. They actually want to deconstruct the power of democracy to check the power of, of, of massive economic interests, basically. And so it really is billionaires versus we the people.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And so they have real problems when, because they use modern PR and advertising, lie about the implications. We're going to reduce poverty. We're going to make healthcare cheaper and more affordable and give you more choice when it's actually a bait and switch. And so this was really hard for them because they're split between kind of the pragmatists that know they're kind of lying and are going to go and actually not do uh, a lot of what they're promising versus the true believers they've created who actually want to do this stuff. And so they're torn to pieces, and then they're torn to pieces because of the massive economic interests that have funded their campaigns that are trying to get their piece of the pig, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes this nightmare where I'm sure it was extremely unpleasant. It's extremely unpleasant for Paul Ryan trying to actually do this stuff, and he believes a lot of this stuff. He actually believes we we just can't afford Social Security and Medicare anymore, but we're going to increase defense spending 25 percent, really, and we're going to have this massive, unaccountable tax cut to give corporations more money when they have uh, record levels of cash reserves they're not spending on job creation because there's no profit in it, and so you know this is the pro- this is like what do you say the the di- the governing in its discontents I'll call this.
1: Yeah, I think it's especially tricky um, for folks like Paul Ryan. I know we're going to the state sooner, but I could it's say all right. go- it's still oh, sorry. federal.
0: It's federal. Yeah, Keep going. I, I
1: could I could talk about Governor Walker as well. Um, but for many of these Republicans, if you ascribe to this theory of a hierarchy of human beings, and at the top of the hierarchy are the CEOs, um, and at the bottom, the wealth
2: creators, wealth
1: creators, job
2: creators,
1: right, right. Um, be they from Taiwan or not, right? Um, And at the bottom of the hierarchy are, you know, uh, people who are caregivers for people, folks in their family who are ill or young children, the elderly, the disabled, um, or just like working class people. If you're Paul Ryan, you don't represent Wall Street, right? Like in terms of who elects you, you represent Wisconsin, Janesville, Racine, everywhere in between, west of the interstate. Uh, and so if you're going to ascribe to this hierarchy of human beings and serve the people who you think are at the top of the hierarchy, none of those people live in your district. And those are the folks who get to decide whether or not you keep your job. And so I you know a lot of folks are really shocked when, you know, that political article came out about a month ago now saying Paul Ryan may not run again, but I, I think he'll go run the Heritage Foundation, you know, this time next year.
2: It'll be a much more pleasant job and he can he can get more. It's probably hard to keep his workout regimen going with all of this. <laughs> uh, and 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 who knows? He also, I think, wants to be president. And probably being speaker of the house, former speaker of the house, is a better thing than being speaker of the house if you're going to run for president, right? I think he's still very ambitious, and is ide- highly ideological. He's a strange mix of both a sellout and an ideologue at the same time. He's more of a perfect mix of that than the pure freedom caucus folks who are just. Complete stereotype ideologues, and then the complete hacks—they're just trying to figure out how to how to do business, uh, but claim to be conservatives.
0: So I want to bring your gaze specifically back to Wisconsin and talk a little bit about the governor's race uh, this week. Paul Soglin announced, mayor of Madison, um, announced obviously running for governor, and it got an immediate, a very swift and immediate response from. Republicans, and Walker in particular, uh, attacking him, talking about ties to Fidel Castro, talking about how terrible Madison is, the crime. It's just it's terrible, just awful. Um, so there's a couple of layers to this that I want to get your comments on. The first is he's responding to Paul Soglin, right? Paul Soglin, 72-year-old mayor from Madison, jumping in, one of nine... I'll say nine legitimate candidates and another 20, right? Like, this is interesting. I'd like to get your thoughts on all of a sudden now Walker's sparking. Is this about Soglin, or is this about what Soglin can do to him to raise money or other things? I'm just, it's. uh, I find it interesting,
2: and and then there's more I want to talk about Soglin. Well, before we get into the responses, I mean, to push back slightly, (laughs) this may have gotten more attention, but apparently, according to press reports, they have launched digital ad campaigns and websites against Matt Flynn, Kathleen Vinehout, Tony Evers, Dana Walks, Andy Gronick, Mike McCabe and Malin Mitchell. <laughs> so maybe that's the list of who they think are viable candidates. Yeah, yeah. But the Soglin stuff is juicier.
0: Well, and Walker, <laughs> Walker himself has put out like fundraising yeah. ads. It's, yeah. and it's really gotten it it's gone deeper, right? Um, and so any thoughts on it, or is this just they're finally they just they can't wait, right? And Soglin is such a juicy target for them. What's the, what's the deal?
1: I think that I think that's it. I mean, I, I really don't know. Um, so <laughs> it could be that they've done some paid a lot of money for some expensive polling that shows them that Soglin is a real threat. Uh, I think that a huge part of it may just be that he is a great candidate. For Governor Walker to run against um, the Fidel or Castro. Yeah, right. <laughs> he thinks
2: he is.
1: He thinks he is. I mean, you know, I think, you know, Governor Walker has been running against Madison his entire career, um, trying to pit the state against itself. Um, and so I think he Soglin, it enables him to do that in a way other candidates don't. Um, and I think you know, look at example um, at another Madison candidate, Roys, I think it's harder, especially in this moment, to attack a woman the way that he can attack Soglin. So it may just be that he's a perfect uh, vehicle for Governor Walker to continue his race against Madison.
2: Raise a little money, maybe. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I don't want to break it to the audience, <laughs> uh, but. Governor Walker is a political hack. I mean, this is all he does. Is, and it's the old playbook, right? He was brought up on the playbook that you run against Madison. Yeah. And the playbook's on the Democratic side that there's always this push, let's get someone not from Madison and then not from Milwaukee, too, but even, especially Madison. And so it plays into that, and they've won election after election. They think on that basis and then, of course, you have Soglin being an anti-war activist as a student in the 60s, and being long-time, different terms mayor of uh, mayor connection to Fidel Castro. Right? Uh, they can call him a socialist and extreme, etc. Allegedly called, referred to "pig America" in the late 60s, though they're saying that, so I don't have that verified. Uh, but here's the thing, right? If you would ask the most of the Republican field a uh, couple years before the, the 2016 presidential race, they would have been salivating over against Bernie Sanders because he has Fidel Castro connections too and is a pro- self-proclaimed socialist. Uh, but by the end of the election, I think there's a pretty strong consensus that Bernie would have been a much more formidable general election candidate than Hillary for them. And so that's the thing. And in a way, is he actually making Soglin more of a candidate? The other thing that people should be aware is, is that I understand this is like classic right wing messaging, like right wing talk show, right? But Soglin himself is not some fire breathing radical. He's basically a make government work policy wonk kind of guy, really. Despite his '60s uh, origins. Well,
0: we got to get out of here because I'm going to pick up on that a little bit, actually. Uh, again, we're the battleground Wisconsin and we're Citizen Action Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We're also all over Facebook. So we are talking about the governor's race, and in particular we're talking about Soglin, um, the mayor of Madison, jumping in and it drawing a lot of response. Um, I want to pick up on, Robert, you brought up this, like, you know, this 1970s caricature of who Paul Soglin was, right? The reality is that the guy has this whole actual governing career and particularly as this governing career lately right which by the way does not inspire progressives necessarily or liberals or radicals no, or anything he's
2: not like someone who who's a fire breathing radical uh, in fact radicals in madison have often been disappointed with him he's a inside the kind of uh, you know uh, city figuring out how to make things work accepting the limits of 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 where we are now kind of, i mean he's really like a wonky kind of uh, the operational kind of guy, really.
0: Well, this gets me back to then my the other thing I really want to talk about, which is, so the attack, right? The attack on him, part of it beyond the communist nonsense, is that Madison is dysfunctional. It's not a place you'd want to go. It's terrible. It's crime-ridden. It's really ridiculous, right? I mean, it goes against everything. Even the people who, like, hate Madison that live outside of Madison... They don't think Madison is a hellhole. They actually resent it as some sort of elitist, liberal place where a lot of successful people resent them, right? Not like that it's a dump. Um, And by the way, this goes to those ads we were talking about that Weedek is running, that we know, (laughs) walkers all behind, that are telling Chicago millennials they should move to Madison into Milwaukee, right? Because they're wonderful places with short commute times and, wonderful quality of life so like really footage <laughs> of young
2: people drinking beer and wine on madison rooftop and kayaking on lake monona
0: so yeah so what that's is nice. it and and, and that's <laughs> maybe what he's worried about right so this isn't necessarily about soglin it's about his economy broadly speaking throughout the state stinks relative to like what it ought to be and how it compares to other 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 uh, surrounding states madison is is kind of a rare exemption uh, uh, exception right and i don't want to say it hasn't had problems related to the economy but please it is one it is an extraordinarily high functioning economy Dispari- Reli-
2: disparities are bad the racial <laughs> disparities something to talk about there but not the lack of prosperity but walker <laughs>
0: can't like walker can't run on that cuz he's not yeah. that's not his agenda right, right. that that's something that soglin will have to answer to in his primary right but as a general candidate and a, and it's about the economy, folks. Right? Still is, always will be. Healthcare is a part of that. Soglin and Madison may have something that on that to speak that he could be afraid of. I just want to throw that out there. And then the other uh, layer of all this is this ad. We got to spend some time talking about this ad. And I will want to go back to politics, but this ad that targets supposedly millennials—if you see the ad and I watched it—it's targeting. Young, white, Chicago millennials who ride light rail. What the hell? What's up with that? And then pitching them that their commute times are going to be shorter in Wisconsin. Uh, Yeah, after you buy the $20,000 car, which you don't need to get around with the light rail system that you're advertising on here about how great Wisconsin is. you got nothing that you're even... You can't even make these ads in Wisconsin because you don't have the system that I'm riding to work on. Like, it's a... It's a really, it's a weird thing when you think about it. And a lot of those millennials don't, and Rebecca, you brought this up, don't want to get a car, don't nope. want to commute every day like you have to in Wisconsin.
1: Who wants to have to shovel out a car in the middle of winter if you don't have to? <laughs> not me.
0: Robert, you take, you take a bike to work almost every well. day. You do everything you can to not have to ride a car, Right. No. Well,
2: I mean, and I was joking before we had the actual coasters that Weedick is paying for, <laughs> that they're trying to empty out the bars in Lincoln Park. And, you know, Milwaukee Avenue, North Milwaukee Avenue in Chicago is like uh, Brady Street times 100. It's like eight miles of Brady Street, okay? And so this is where the coasters are going to be and everything. And when I've had meetings in Lincoln Park or on, or, or on Milwaukee Avenue, uh, like in These Times Magazine, which I have to go to sometimes is in, on Milwaukee Avenue not only are the L trains just full of young professionals, right? The buses are. I took a bus from downtown Chicago to Lincoln Park, and it was all young professionals on a bus. So that's the lifestyle there, right? And then then hordes of them along the lake playing volleyball and softball and all of that. And they're supposed to come and write. Well, first of all, it's going to be attracted to come, right? Like, there's opportunity. And second, that turning down uh, a high-speed train, turning down uh, the commuter train coming from Chicago, strangling mass transit and building more roads is going to be appealing to this set.
0: Yeah.
1: I actually, like, I'm not... I'm of two minds. One is that... It's not a sincere attempt <laughs> to get people to move to Wisconsin.
2: <gasps> Come on, good point, I think.
1: <laughs> right, and so they, you know, he, they know politically they can't get away with you know, advertising our jobs to Chicagoans like outright, <laughs> but that's what they're doing without doing it, or the second thing is that they are trying to get folks to move to Madison so that they can boost their numbers of Wisconsinites who are getting these jobs, but either way um, it's completely ridiculous and like the money would be better spent making sure that people from like the city of Racine or the city of Milwaukee or any rural area in in left west of the interstate can get to this new Who facility. apparently
2: are able to work and not working in large numbers, go back to the earlier segment on making people work for Badger Care, right? So why isn't that our solution to the alleged workforce crisis? Well,
0: that's why I thought this whole strand was wonderful, right? Because <laughs> like, it ties a number of topics. So we get back to one of our favorite topics. This unbelievably awful economic development. It's not even a policy, right? Whatever we're doing, right? This give, poaching.
2: Giveaway. This to, weird
0: yeah. poaching. It, like, there's no strategy here. And so...
2: Yes, stuff that leads to corporate subsidies and tax breaks. That's the strategy. Whatever the rationale is, that's what the end result is.
0: So I, I found this little seven billion dollar or seven million dollar TV ad fascinating. The way it all tied together with the Soglin, and so that brings us back. Now that we're done with that little detour, I want to go back to talking about the governor's race a little bit. Right?
1: No, no, that's right.
0: So. Now that we're full back circle here to the governor's race, and and again, Soglin jumping in, we'd like to spend a little bit of time actually talking about these candidates and get get your thoughts. Um, Citizen Action here, we're about to embark in a process with our members uh, uh, starting February 10th in Eau Claire with members in our organizing cooperative to start to Talk with these candidates and get a better sense of who they are and where they stand specifically on as it relates to our platform, that our long-term agenda that we approved. And if you're interested in reading about our platform, it's on our website. I encourage you to look at it. It was created by our members and leaders last year to really lay out a long-term agenda for where we want to go. And so we're going to be really engaging gubernatorial candidates in that discussion. But before all that kicks off, you know, I want to kick it back to you all. I say there's nine candidates that are, I don't want to say real candidates, but that you could actually name. And then then there's a whole bunch that you can't name. So with that experiment, Rebecca, name as many of the Democratic candidates running for office as you can. And we'll count them, because I believe believe you can name 11.
1: okay we did this before the pod, and i I failed and i'm gonna fail again (laughs) but this is
0: important because it does kind of it is kind of the test of who's who all
1: right so we've got dana walks yep from eau claire we've got um flynn mike mccabe uh kathleen vinehout uh soglin calderroyas malin mitchell um oh gosh oh andy gronick and who is the one that i'm forgetting who is that ninth person? Well, there's
0: Tony Evers. Oh,
1: Tony Evers. Tony Evers. That's it. That, the, so those are the nine.
0: So we got nine. <laughs> now, I believe there's two others that have recognizable names, but I don't, I'm going to say aren't serious.
1: Uh-huh. Bob
0: Harlow. Bob Harlow. <laughs> he, he has a recognizable name because he was the first one to announce. Mm-hmm. And then there's a former state rep who I think everybody knows his name. Brett Halsey mm-hmm. is still announced. Everybody else, I, I don't have the list in front of me. I do not know these these folks. Like I don't think they have any real political track record. Robert, can you pick it up? Are there any other names you know off the top of your head without looking at a list?
2: No. No. I'll be even more challenging. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you the eight Ooh. that I think can win with the caveat that if you're not on the list, I, we look forward to hearing your case so you can go and make it. But I want to hear... Robert's email is... Yeah. And you can come over and talk to all of us at Citizen Action, yep. by the way. But I really want to hear you're going to win, not what a wonderful person you are. Okay, because I'm sure you are. Um, so
0: Robert has his list
2: of eight, yes. but we are out of time.
0: So we're going to take a break and he's going to come Course back. Anger. We're going to come back from the break and Robert's <laughs> going to give his list of eight and then Rebecca and I are going to hammer it. No, okay. We got to get out of here. We'll be right back. This is the Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action and you can find us at on Facebook, Twitter or citizenactionwi.org. We're talking about the governor's race. Rebecca had successfully named all of the nameable candidates, and now Robert is going to give us his list of the eight that he thinks can win, and if you're not on that list, he would like you to reach out so we can have you tell us why you can win. But who anyways, Robert, Robert
1: voting off the island? Yeah, yeah. Who, yeah. Are the <laughs> who are
0: the eight? Who are the nine gets booted okay. that I counted? I say Gronick, no, I'm just sorry. Paul
2: Soglin, yep. Matt Flynn, Kathleen Vinehout, Tony Evers, Dana Walks, Mike McCabe, Malin Mitchell, Kelder Royce. So you dropped Gronick. He can come make his case. Yeah. I don't get it.
0: I, I, <laughs> look, he's a very wealthy guy who's
2: That's clearly... That's the only thing I've, t- I, that I know that would make him viable. Right. I want to he, hear what the message is that would actually excite people... And get through a primary like this and actually give Walker trouble.
0: And, and I think that's right. I think most people just say he's got the resources to get that message out. So he's Whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. And <laughs> that's the state of where we're at, right? Um, but, look, there's a lot of candidates that does, I think it means there's blood in the water, right? Mm-hmm. It means Walker's vulnerable, even yeah. if most national People who track this stuff still right, Walker's heavily favored. We know what he's got, what's gonna come up against, but you don't get this kind of field if if people don't think there's a opportunity.
1: Walker's never been more vulnerable. Uh, and part of that certainly has to do with his policies, which I'll circle back to in a moment. But he's never had to run a race under these conditions. I, I think he's incredibly vulnerable. And on his policies, I'll say, you know, when I first started recording with the Pod it was right around the time that Foxconn was announced. and I thought for sure it was political genius on the Republicans' part, and that was it. The race was over. Walker had won. And actually, it might be his undoing. I mean, it is so wildly unpopular throughout the state. Um, And we know that because we read about it, we hear about it. But also, every single Democratic candidate is running against it, by and large. Maybe except Gronick, I'm not sure. Um, Most of the candidates, I'll say. And I have to imagine at least some of them have polled on this. So it must really be like striking gold to go after Foxconn if everyone is talking about
2: it. Well, it's, you know, it's great to say, oh, I'm pro-business and prosperity and I'm going to be against all the bad things in our state. Now you're the two-term governor and you're way behind in your job pledges and your big deal is a huge, the biggest corporate tax giveaway in, in Wisconsin history for far fewer jobs than you could create with the same money, right, and only for one part of the state. Um, and even then, uh, then having to run ads to try to attack Chicago millennials to take the jobs, apparently, and to move here, apparently. Uh, no one thinks that we're at full employment, really. I mean, unemployment rate is not a reflection. It's, it it indicate you know, there are a lot of people who've given up because they have no access to good jobs, period, and they're not around where they live.
1: And there, there are just so many things that um, I certainly don't have to tell you guys because Citizen Action is been beating the drum on all this for a while, but, you know, healthcare premiums all over the state, in Green Bay, in the western part of the state, through the roof, uh, the economy is not in a good shape. People don't feel like their lives are getting better. People are leaving Wisconsin. Young people are leaving all the time. Uh, and, you know, between Foxconn we have and uh, other economic uh, development boondoggles, um, all of that has been bad for Wisconsin, bad for Walker. And it's interesting to me that he made this error which I didn't realize was quite an error, considering he won running against the train. And to me, I yep. see this as a very similar thing, right? Um, and folks around the state are angry about it.
2: It is sort of like, yes, fitting, because the train would certainly make his little advertising campaign more effective. Oh, I'm glad uh, you brought that to, up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to Thank be, you. To be Thank you. clear about that. There's also the fact that nationally in Wisconsin, there's all these economists on television wring their hands about why wages aren't going up if we're near full employment. And it's like, well, let's see. There aren't unions to bargain. We've created a global economy where you can just like find the cheapest workers anywhere, right? That are that's set up rigged for corporations against all workers across the world, right? Walker's policies are all about lowering wages, and then I don't know why wages haven't gone up.
0: Go back, read the books, economists. You'll figure it out. Um, I do want to point out um, Mandela Barnes jumped in to the lieutenant governor race, and we want to point that out because Mandela's a Active co-op member here at Citizen Action and,
2: and a board member so <laughs> and a board member.
0: That. So we're we're obviously really happy that uh, Mandela's choosing to run. And you know this gets to some of what you were talking about, this broader environment. And Mandela was talking about why he's running, and he's just like, look, people who work full time should not live in poverty. It's just it's it, and that is his the fundamental redress. It's essentially what we've been talking about. He actually was talking about very proudly about how he is a progressive. Uh, and said that he'd be happy to be a moderate, but the fact is things are so backwards, we're so far behind, that everybody should be a progressive if we want to change things, right? Like, so there's something nice about that clarity of purpose and who he is and what he's about. Uh, So kudos to you, uh, uh, Mandela, for getting out and running. And we know there's, uh, I think, a couple other candidates that have announced, but um, want to also... Uh, talk a little... Well, first of all, I don't know if anyone had any more they wanted to say about the governor's race at all in particular, or any other pieces. Um,
1: I'll just, like, quickly underscore the point. You know, on top of the complete economic boondoggle that every Walker policy um, has been, the opioid crisis is ravaging the state. Lincoln Hills, I mean, his complete and utter inability to do anything about the uh, incarceration system that he oversees. uh, Just, like, on and on and on. Just, like, the state is it, the things that he is in charge of have been so um, have been such boondoggles, I guess I'll say again. It's just really remarkable and I, I just wonder how once we have a candidate who emerges, you know, after the primary or before as like the front runner, how he's gonna stand up against that in debates and, and on the air.
2: It's also not just about policy, it's about, you know, image and public mm-hmm. perception as well. And he hasn't had to be the ballot again since his humiliation in the presidential race where literally i mean once trump raised a finger against him he melted right yeah remember when uh walker put out a fundraising mailer saying that trump was a was an idiot i think <laughs> something like that one of those words one of the words that trump's own people and cabinet members have used right uh that uh, trump says oh I, ge- I guess this means i get to attack him and i think that was the official end of the walker campaign for president
1: yeah, yeah. So he came
2: across as a lightweight nationally and in his own state. So I think they it's they, not only a chink in the armor, I think literally the, the luster is off Scott Walker. Yep. And he, is, he represents the status quo now. He's going for a third term. He can't be running against something Jim Doyle did. No one can remember who Jim Doyle was in, in terms of people's short attention spans politically in our age.
0: You know, there's one issue that was just uh, going through my head as, you, as Rebecca was talking about Walker's agenda or record, and it's about education, and he's trying to fix his problem of what's going on out rurally right now mm-hmm. with, with funding, yep. and he's trying to backfill money in to fund education, because this is another And as sleeping, usual
2: solutionettes, I mean, not real. <laughs> it's a sleeping
0: giant of an issue yeah. where we have these communities that cannot keep their school districts open are having just terrible times keeping teachers who are hopping from district to district because it's the only way they can really get wage increases and it's creating divides in communities between you know communities that are that identify themselves as you know part of a school district community and increasingly the people who work there can't either afford or don't live in the towns cuz they're they're moving from year to year and so uh this is another issue out there where i think you know you see it in walkers as robert said solution at uh, trying to solve a problem that is part of his record that's going to be very difficult for him, especially if we have good candidates out there that are really actually
2: talking about this issue. This isn't, isn't where he thinks the money should go. He thinks the money should go into the pockets of the Foxcons of the world.
0: And we've got to be clear, this isn't like, oh, I, I support public education or I support school. Like, we need to invest some resources into our, our schools, and, and particularly in some of these areas Uh, urban and rural areas where we have divested
2: uh, and and certainly those school districts have fallen behind no no you should do with conservatives because they're all for these things follow the money
1: these are, and also just like one mm-hmm. last thing, like yeah. these aren't minor issues. These are the most important issues that every single household in Wisconsin cares about. Education, healthcare, jobs, you know, crime, the opioid crisis, just like general human rights. Like these are like the most important things that have all gone to trash uh, under this governor and people feel it.
0: And again, like you don't get out of this problem by just talking about the problems that Walker has created our candidates these these democratic candidates have got to articulate a vision that's going to solve these problems that's going to start to address them because well first of all we need that vision and walker is one of the best dividers and if this is not if this is about division he will win again there has to be some unifying clear understandable agenda that is different and not just like a critique of Walker and a little less, or I'll stop the bleeding. That will not win against a divider as successful as, as you Walker.
2: You can't run rurally on, oh, Walker's been bad. You have to say, here's what yeah. we would do to revitalize your community That's that right. he's not doing. Yes. And so we might have to have an, an actual rural agenda, Democrat Democratic Party, <gasps> as opposed to a few little policy talking points that, that mean very little to most people.
0: So we actually need to take a break. So we are going to, we're
2: done. what, we're done?
0: we're done? Oh, sorry. Okay, good. Then I got a quick, I, th- I, first, I thought I had one more, sorry. Mm-hmm. Let, uh, let me wrap this up then with the SD10. So before we get out of here, we want to remind our listeners, uh, Senate District 10, very important election on Tuesday. Get out and short, uh, support Patty <laughs> and And by the way, if you're listening, you can get on, your computer and your phone right now as soon as you're done listening to this go to the link on our website we have it set up so you can go online and make calls to targeted voters voters we need to get out in senate district 10 and we're going to be talking to them about badger care and public option and why patty is uh so importantly good and why we need to get her elected but anyways make sure you get out and vote if you live in that district And we are the Battleground Wisconsin. We hope you join us again next week. Want to thank our producer, Brian Yolder, who makes this happen every week. We'll see you next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.